It will never cease to amaze me how much music means to all of us. In the fabric of our lives, it is without a doubt the most visceral art form. You can see a movie or television show and feel nostalgic and fuzzy and remember how you felt when you first watched it. But there is nothing like music to reactivate the feelings and memories of days gone by. When you hear a song from your childhood, it's astonishing how much you feel inside just how you felt when you first heard it. It is an amazing mystery that we will never solve, and it never wears off. If I go through periods of listening to different artists, when the Eagles documentary came out, I watched it over and over again. I was transfixed by the unbelievably kick-ass Mr. Joe Walsh. So what do I do? I go out and buy every single record he ever did without question. That's how I listen to music. I can't get enough of it. It's always been like that. Welcome. Hello. Good afternoon. Good morning, wherever you are listening. My name is Christian Overfield. And I am Martha Guzman, and we are the hosts of the Rockstar Biography Podcast. Join us every two weeks as we review autobiographies by the greatest and most famous musicians in history. And that was Mr. Sebastian Bach, not the composer, not, no, he was the lead singer, most famously, of Skid Row. And this week, today, this afternoon, you and I and all of us are going to be discussing Sebastian Bach's 18 and Life on Skid Row. It was published approximately 2016, five years ago. Um, my copy, as always, is the hardcover. I got on eBay, the first edition, first printing. And Martha, mine might be different than yours. What copy do you have? Soft cover. Mine, my cover, yours is different than yours, I think, in that my the interior cover, the dust jacket, is a is a poster. <laughs> oh, wow. It is a poster <laughs> of Sebastian Bach in his glorious prime. He's shirtless, arms held high, so all of the hair he has on his body and his head is all just gloriously in abundant view. <laughs> wow. Are you going to so, frame this, Christian? You're framing it, right? I already have, of course. Oh, of course. I'm mad at of it. Course. I want it on my wall. <laughs> Next to your Galaxy 500 uh, photos. <laughs> I took those down just oh. <laughs> so I could hook up, put up that poster of Sebastian oh, Bach. How did I know? How did I know? Because you know me so well. Yes, of course. Right. So, um... This is my book. I am responsible for picking this book. Um, it was my choice, and I got to Martha indulge me in letting me pick it. <laughs> um, and she probably, I know, I'm sure she wondered why I picked it. I'm, and I got to say, if our listeners don't know this, that um, she and I do not discuss our opinions of the book prior to recording. Like, we this is our neighbor. We come to the theater, and we share in the moment, live with you, how we feel about what we've read. And I'm, and I'm, I don't think I'm... Uh, uh, misspeaking by saying that I am much more um, strict about this. Martha <laughs> has a couple of times wanted to break the rules <laughs> and she's wanted to talk about, oh my God, I want to talk about this book, how you feel, blah, blah, blah. I've never, ever broken that rule. I just <laughs> say uh, nothing. 
I said, I look forward to speaking to you about the book when we talk about it, right? <laughs> yes, you do. And I got to tell you, and I think I've And sometimes it why. irritates me so much, It Christian. irritates Martha every time. <laughs> and I think I proved to Martha why it is important not yes. to let that genie out of the bottle. Because last week, I, I violated that rule a you little did. bit. Because little she bit. said, well, why, why did you... Why did, why would you pick? I mean, why would a person, Martha, choose <laughs> Sebastian Bach, <laughs> right? Yes, yes. And so I broke my rule, and I and I told Martha why, and she's like, "You shouldn't have told me because now <laughs> you're you know what, Christian? Yes, right." You, and you I, have I proved a point there. Yes. I proved yes. the reason. However, we are here, and I will. So it's my book. I'll explain why somebody who likes Galaxy Five Hundred. And hipster music, sensitive music, British music, all of that good stuff, whatever. I admit it, I'm part of that tribe. Why would I choose, you know, except to be interesting, like, hey, let's choose somebody we don't normally read. I mean, that's always a potential reason for our show and why we read what we read, because we read everything. We do. But why would I pick Sebastian Bach? And I revealed to Martha that the reason is, and that he spoke to me, it's actually, it's a couple of reasons, Martha. Oh, so was it just yeah. the one? I imagine that that was the most. Of course, it, that's the number one. Oh, right, right, reason, right, right. Um, but there are a couple of reasons. I'll oh. start with the other reasons first. Okay. Okay. And um, no, I'll just start with the big one. Why not? <laughs> yes, because now everyone's wondering what's the reason, you know, well, so, so you right. have to tell them. So Skid Row are most famous, I think, for a single song that they wrote called I Remember You. And I think everyone has probably heard that song, or maybe not after a certain age, but I think anybody of our age group, even if you didn't listen to heavy metal, which they were considered, right. that song managed to wind its way somehow, even tangentially into your experience. And it did for me in a big way. And so how it did is I had a friend, long story short, and she liked the same music I did, but she was kind of cool. And once in a while, she would choose music outside of our sphere and say, hey, this is cool, too. And it's made cool by virtue of fact that we listen to it. And let's be super cool by surprising people by listening to music that we don't normally listen to. And this is one <laughs> of those songs. So I have the CD. And um, as I explained to Martha last week, it was to the song, I Remember You, that as, as uh, to put in polite Christian terms, um, whatever innocence I possessed as a person was lost <laughs> to this song, right? And I realized, Martha, not everybody has the pleasure, no pun intended, of having that moment coincide with music. But of course, you and I being who you are, of course it happened to music, right? Right. So I, she lent the CD to me, Skid Row. It's the only song I listened to on the album because all the rest was totally unlistenable to me. Um, and that song I had uh, my C, you know, I had a CD player right. and I had s figured out how to play a song repeatedly on repeat. And that <laughs> song just played over and over and over and over and over. And it was to that song, um, with my high school sweetheart that I will never, ever come close to no human being. Will I ever quite love like I did that one? Oh, like, like, Christian. It is just true of all people. I mean, I can just, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I will say that all things in my life, every, whatever I 
thought, however I felt, whatever I did, every moment of every day, every second of every moment of every day was lived in reference to how I felt about this person, how I could get this person to be mine, how I could love this person, how I could make this person my girlfriend. And I did that. And so to have my first moment with that person one way or another was a big deal um, for me. And I, you know, I've, you know, man, what happens here on out, I don't, it'll never come close to how completely absorbed and consumed you can be by love. Well, I, I was I th- anyway. Well, I think that first love is like that for, for many of sure. us. Sure. I mean, and because, you know, there's nothing else to get in the way of it. Yes. There's no other baggage. There's no bills. There's no mortgage. There's no kids. There's no, there's, there's nothing. nothing. There's just, just the that purity person. of that feeling Yes. that it triggers and ignites all of it. And, um, and I didn't realize until, of course, many years later, how on the nose it was that I would actually have that moment to a song literally called I Remember You. Oh, I, mean, I love you couldn't, it. Only if the song had been called I Will Forever Remember This Moment That I'm Having That Could Only Happen Once in a <laughs> Lifetime with You could this, the lyrics have been more deliberately, you know, there's nothing, there's no hidden meaning to the lyrics. The lyrics are cliched and derivative. I mean, they're just unabashedly unimaginative. They're over the top. They really are. And can I tell you something, Christian? Go ahead, sure. So just the other day, uh, I want to say, I forget, it was sometime last week, the 80s station on my cable (laughs) provider had that song. I, I was I put it on the on the 80s station and that song had just come on and I thought, oh my God, this song is so bad. <laughs> you know why it's so bad? It's because it's so sincere. And the <laughs> lyrics are so like, you know, with the promises that we made, but yeah. you know, that's just... the price we pay. And it's like, I don't get how can any what problems do you have? You're like 16 years old and you're treating one another as if come at, you know, whatever wars come between us, whatever crises we face, <laughs> we will stare it down together with our love. And I'm like, how? You're 16 years old. Well, that's, you that's live at home. That's you still have an allowance. And simultaneously, <laughs> you speak to one another as if only you and I exist. And to a certain extent, that's what makes it all real and true. And, you know, I mean, there's a line in the lyric about, I think we looked at for you know into one another's eyes for hours endlessly <laughs> and i gotta say i that's the only time in which i ever really did that there was one other time but there's no other moment in your life where you can actually spend an hour it's just so looking at somebody true. else's eyes and i it's wonder so true and so mr sebastian bach has the the honor or whatnot of of being the, the person for whom with whom, by whom, whatever, <laughs> that I had that experience. Um, I have a different take on it now, um, that song. Um, I, I guess maybe I almost want to save it to the end so we come back to the music because that's why we got here. Right. So I won't go any farther into that moment with that person. Um, I will say that the that was my first experience and um, my, I likened my experience to the guitar solo of that song, <laughs> not in terms of its complexity or 
proficiency, but in terms of its duration of time, we're just about 30 seconds, <laughs> maybe 20 from start to finish. And I think I'm being generous. Oh <laughs> I think God. I'm giving myself an extra 10 seconds, Martha. <laughs> <laughs> With that said, let's dive in oh, to the. Okay, that really cracked me up. <laughs> oh my God, Christian. Um, <laughs> so let's dive into Skid Row, man. It's Sebastian oh, Bach. Oh my goodness. Let's, let's. And so I'll, you know, give my two cents. Obviously, I brought a lot of stuff to it, but apart from that, I'm still capable of being a reader and reading stuff. Um, and I knew reading it like, oh, this is probably one of Martha's least favorites because unfortunately, you know, it's just, it, it, it's one more book that just treads the familiar water of, oh my God, hey, I've done drugs. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and it's just not. And I think, you know, one of the reasons you and I, I think, didn't find an affinity for heavy metal music is we find that whole rock star cliche of drugs and long hair. Just, I think it was boring to us even as as 16 year olds. It just seemed so boring, derivative and done before. And like, to whom is this appealing? It wasn't to me. It wasn't appealing to me then. And it's not that interesting to me now. And I think as a snobby person, I've (laughs) just realized I am. It just seems so unimaginative. Yes. And And I think the music you and I liked seemed a little more there are levels to it or dementia, even if there weren't, we thought so. And I think yes. so still, and there's still, you can still read the lyrics and if you want to and come away, not quite knowing exactly what it means. It's open to interpretation. It's willing to be a little more thoughtful or it aspires to be, I think, quite frankly. And I think the, the, the hangups you and I have about when we were talking about Dave Mustaine and just the, the lyrics that were awful and, <laughs> And this music, it just doesn't seem particularly intellectually or creatively that challenging. It just doesn't seem to want to be. It's not even about that. It's just about being this trope of rock star. And, yeah. you know, you, okay, we need a guitarist who can play scales and who can play the guitar really fast. And, and we need a singer who can sing like, you know, operatically. And it's just more about a, a, a a flavor than it is about substance, quite frankly. Anyway, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but Sebastian Bach's book, in his life, consequently, he just spends so much time talking about the drugs. It's the most, I think, to me, the most graphically sexual book we've read so far um, about the many ways in which he's had women and talks about, and he uses the word fuck, quite frankly. In a way, we hadn't quite, I don't recall quite encountering. Yes. And that was a turnoff too. Yes. I had a dichotomist. Is that a word? It's a dichotomist? I'm going to make it up. Okay. I like dichotomy. (laughs) It was interesting. The book, okay, had a dichotomy at a minimum, however, in that I'm sure you did have the same feeling that I did. His childhood and the pictures he uses to accompany his childhood, however, were really interesting to me. I could relate that the, he shows a ton of pol- like these candid black and white photographs yes. of his childhood that are so far afield from the Seb- Sebastian Bach he becomes, the Sebastian Bach on the cover of this book, the music he chooses to love. But that childhood and the photographs he shows 
I related to that world. Just the the colors of the photographs, the the the, the way that the people are dressed, the characters yes. of that childhood. I knew that person. I related to to that person and yes. to the divorce. Well, I didn't relate to and, that, but but I related to the to the photos. Right. It's yes. like those that part of you is like I relate to that, and suddenly you just take the wild one eighty. Um, and the 180, then the substantive meat of the book, that's when I just felt like, all right, I've, I've you know, I've done this before, you know, mm-hmm. in fact, it got most interesting when before handed over to you, the grist of his success, this, the skid row of it all, that was the least interesting. I'm just reading about you getting drunk, getting hammered, doing drugs. It's when your life kind of falls apart and you become a weird VH1. Yes, Christian. That's <laughs> right? when I was. That's when it became interesting, interesting. for me as well. Yeah. Yes, because when he goes on forced, Broadway. When he goes on Broadway exactly. and all that. Yes, he's forced to go down a road outside of hit the traditional cliche that he wanted. Now right. he's got to like find a career doing something, yes. and suddenly that becomes interesting. And it made it actually remind me of Boy George's book because yes. now, yeah, yes. now he's in the world of theater, and now he's outside of his comfort zone, but still being Sebastian Bach, and that was unique, and and it forced him to be a little more interesting on his own terms. Yes, whether or not those terms are what he would have sought for himself, it was still something new. But the, I think the reason that the Skid Row fan picks up the book, that portion was the least interesting and, this, you know, off-putting. It felt like Billy Idol land of here I am fornicating and I'm in love with my naked torso because I don't wear shirts everywhere I go. You know what I'm <laughs> yes, saying? Yes. So that's my take on Sebastian. Um, I'm, and I'd like to hear what you have to think of. Mr. Well, I, I felt uh, very similarly. Uh, to what you did. I I certainly did not. I think that this was, I don't know how to say, I want to say it nicely, but this was probably the least um, intelligently written book I felt that we've read up until this point. Okay. Uh, I also felt- Even over Lenny? Lenny Kravitz? to some degree. Wow. To some okay. degree. I'm sorry. Keep uh, going. To some degree, I felt that. I found his childhood interesting. And, uh, you know, he grew up in the Bahamas and sort of that whole story was, was sort of interesting to me. Uh, and like you, I also, when I was looking at those photos, Christian, I felt like I was looking at photos in my own family album. If that right. makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, you know, and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I think there's photos like this of cousins and my brother and me and our friends. Like, I don't know that, I could, that, that vibe. I just, I really felt that those were similar to some of the photos in our family albums and and whatnot. And so that was very relatable to me as well. Uh, I, I found, yes, I think, you know, his, his constant use of the F word. I mean, it's like everywhere. And he, he just, yes, that was, and again, you know, I say that word. I mean, we all say it, but it was just in your face all yeah. the time, all the time. Um, I am not a big fan of the word dude. Yeah. And <laughs> that was another one that was yeah. in the book throughout. And I it just, yeah. after a while, I was just kind of like, do you not have another word that you can say? I mean, it was just 
all over. Yeah. If that's in your yeah, vocabulary just, as a it, constant go-to. Yeah. Wow. It was just constant. And and again, it's not, I, I'm not a fan of that word. I've never really cared for it. Uh, and so the fact that it was just every other sentence, it seemed it was, you know, on there. But but to me, the book really got interesting when his life falls apart. Um because then he's forced to think outside of what he had always done right. and find a new way to make a living. And so when he, you know, when he gets, uh, when he goes to Broadway and he stars as uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and and the way that that was, um, in, you know, it sort of fell in a time when he was going through something similar with his dad and his dad was dying and there's all of this sort of inner turmoil going on. I found that Interesting. I found that that's when I I started paying attention. Yeah. Because up until that point, I kept thinking, oh my gosh, you know, and again, here we, again, yeah. here we go again, you know, and oh, I love my wife, but I was sleeping with all the, and I'm thinking, oh my <laughs> God, the story, enough. No. And, and uh, then the Christina Applegate story, which I want us to get to in, yeah, in a little so while. Yeah. But, you know, he's going on and on about all of these women. And it's, you know, the, the cliche rock story, which is, you know, what he wanted, obviously, um, uh, as most of these rock stars do. But but again, yeah, it was it was when he goes on Broadway, when he starts having all these VH1 reality shows. Um, yeah. That was interesting to me because then you have a person. And this is why I think I, I enjoyed that part as well. I enjoyed that it's almost like the second last half of the book when he starts talking about all of that. And I think part of the reason that I enjoyed it as much as I did is because I think at one point or another, when you get to be a certain age in your life, you've got to start thinking about ways of doing things differently, whether it's by circumstances or or just your own sort of pre-midlife crises or whatever. You start assessing your life and you start thinking about what you've done, what what's left to do, what more do you want to do with your life? And I felt like in his case, he was forced to do that. And I feel we've all had to grapple with that at one point or another in our lives. And so I felt that that was relatable to some degree. I mean, obviously not to the extent of, of being a rock star and having to deal with all these sorts of things, but just in a very sort of human way where, you know, you're forced uh, to to reinvent yourself almost. And that's what he does. You know, he has to think of a way to, you know, after he gets kicked out of out of Skid Row and he has to start thinking of ways to to make money and, yeah. and all of that. So, I mean, because, and so that was a very real thing, you know, and uh, so, yes, I found that part interesting. And, and interestingly enough, too, I also thought about the Boy George books. Right. And remember how we had, I, I, you know, I think it was in, when we talked about the second book, we had discussed how maybe Boy George's book uh, would have been more interesting if both of those stories had been combined. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I felt that. I felt, you know, I think Boy George's book would have been so much stronger had he not created the second the second book when he talks about his show on Broadway and all of that. But if he would have combined that very interest, interesting first part of his life along with that second part. Um, and so, and he does that, you know, uh, Sebastian Bach does that. He, he combines both of these, these stories, but in his case, that first half wasn't nearly as interesting as boy George's first half of his life. I felt anyway, but yeah, so I, I I can't say that I loved this book. Um, it was probably you're you're correct. It was definitely one of my least favorite ones that we've read mm-hmm. up until this point. But yes, that second half, the second half, 
redeemed itself a little bit. <laughs> you know, it didn't right. make it intolerable uh, because <laughs> because it it was it was interesting. I thought his childhood was interesting because there's just no foreshadowing at all of what is going to happen to subsequent. None at all. It, it, it really felt like again another child of the '70s who was who was really a child of divorce. His parents get divorced. He he's. He tells it, you know, as I was reading it, I thought of Lenny Kravitz again. I was like, oh, no, I hope I don't get emotional again. Because there's another really <laughs> moving story. Yes, I thought of Lenny, too. Man. I thought I was of like, him, too. I can't, and I thought, I can't keep crying on air with Martha, but I'm worried that's going to happen again. <laughs> Christian, so, <laughs> I thought the exact same thing. And in fact, I thought to myself, am I going to have to bring my tissue box with me to the yeah, next episode? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but if you look at the photographs that he, he shows of his family and his parents, there's something almost like Ingmar Bergman Swedish about, about them and the candidness yes. of them. And he closes the whole book with just, for instance, this random dark photograph of his parents in, a, in an open uh, um, doorway. And there's it just was his so dad's much... gallery. I think it was his dad's gallery, Christian. Is that what that is? Yes, the, know, the, but... the initial, the first photo and then the last one, it was. And I found that, I have to say, I found that... Um, Quite touching. Yeah, there's a would, whole subtext yes. going on that I yes, don't even think is. that he's quite aware of, even though he talks about the impact of his father, who was an artist, real bohemian artist type. Really, very much so. Right. Um, and then his parents, unfortunately, get divorced, and he talks about how painful that is. He and, never quite but, gets over that, it seemed. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't, yeah, he does or doesn't. I'm not sure, but he does. He, he makes his attempt to definitely explain how traumatic and devastating that is. And he simultaneously succeeds, however. Um, I think one thing he does really well, he really lets you know how much he loves the band Kiss. And yes. I did like that because as a, as a music lover, I can relate. So to, did I. Even so did though, I. you know, and I was when I was a kid, I, I was a little right after Kiss, but even I was enthralled for a little while with Kiss because of the comic book nature of the band and the makeup. Right. And the way in which he extols his love for this band is you don't have to love Kiss to, to relate to what it's like to love a band, a band. like this. Mm -hmm. So when he talks about his love for Kiss and his whole life is Kiss and he's saving up money for Kiss albums, Kiss posters, Kiss everything. Yes, yes. And then... His it was parents, very palpable, his, oh, his, yes. his enthusiasm and love for them, yes. And then yes. he says that after his parents divorced, they, his parents sort of consciously decide to give to their children one last dose of a, of a unified original family. That really and moved me. It did to me too. And I, I, I came away wondering if this was for the better or the worse overall, though, because it's to go see Kiss. And... I just, it's almost like a bizarre dream come true where a child who wishes nothing more in the world than having their parents get back together sees them do it for just one night. Even though the parents have already moved on at this point, have yes. new partners, yes. they come back together for one night for their kid. It's like a reunion concert except for the family. <laughs> yeah. And then they take him to see Kiss on top of that. It's like, I, know. I don't, I was both moved by that and thought that must have been the simultaneously the most excruciating night of his life because it's one night only. I thought Every, the same thing. It was heartbreaking and moving. All at once. And yeah. I don't know. What is the next morning like, Martha? 
I know. I mean, that's got to be rough. Heartbreak. Absolute heartbreak. But he's got that memory forever. Yes. And so I was really touched by that. I thought that was a real one-off. I don't know that I'm ever going to even meet somebody in my day-to-day life that's going to have a similar story to share about two parents consciously saying, let's give our kids one final make-believe moment. Let's just be a family again. Right. And then if you extrapolate that further, Martha, it's sad because you want to say, well, why not just keep that going? Why torture your kids? You know what I'm saying? Why? Well, that's why it was so heartbreaking. That's why it was so heartbreaking, you know? And in spite of all the crazy stories that he tells, Christian, there was also, and I don't know if you felt this, but I, I certainly did. I felt that there was a bit of a sweetness. Yeah, there was. Yeah, yeah. In 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 his in his storytelling, um, and especially when he talks about his family, yeah, um, there was there was a real sweetness, and I came away thinking of him as as a guy with a good heart. I don't know if I'm wrong or right, but I just there was a certain sweetness and sen- sensitivity um, with which he tells certain stories, and especially as it relates to his family, you can tell that he really had a deep love for his his parents and his his grandmother and, and all of that. Um, and, you know, obviously later when his marriage breaks up, the way he talks about his kids, I mean, it's it's all very sad. But, and his daughter in particular, that almost, I have to admit, that almost made me cry. But, um, but yes, it was very, um, it was very touching, that story. And and that stayed with me too, because I kept thinking about the same stuff. Like, God, how do you, like the, the yes, yeah, like the next day, like how sad is that? Like you wake up and it's just you and your mom and your sister, you know, your dad's not there anymore. Right. So yeah. So that could okay, not have been easy. Here's part two of where, what I thought was an, uh, unusual about the story I'm reading. Okay. After dad remarried, I was thrust into completely new situation entirely. Sent away to live at Lakefield College School for the next oh, three yes. years. So he then, I don't know where they're getting the money, by the way, for this, but he then goes to a private boarding school. Okay, that Prince well, what, Andrew went to. Right. So it makes this all really crazy. So far, I'm actually, okay, suddenly he's going to boarding school, which is, that's a, that's a radical choice. It's one thing to say, hey, I'm going to put my kid in a private school, but I still, you know, he lives with me. But a boarding school, that's like, that's great. That's, I, that's not a... a life choice or life experience I can pretend to know about or relate to at all. So, but okay, I've heard of it, so I can go with it. But what's crazy is he goes from that experience, Martha, in a boarding school, and you imagine he's surrounded by fancy, schmancy, hobnobby, wealthy people who whose tra- trajectory is somewhat already m- marked out for them. Right, right. right. To, I swear, the next chapter... He's now living at the age of like 15 or 16. He's permanently emancipated and living with basically a kind of call girl prostitute. Yes. And I he, gets, quite, he, gets, he gets kicked out of the boarding school. He gets kicked out. I, I, I feel like there's a gap here in the narrative. Like what's going on? You go from a boarding school to now basically he enters into onto the on-ramp of the freeway that's going to make him the Sebastian Bach that writes no, well, he, well, he got kicked out of the school. Uh, he got kicked out of the boarding school, and then he goes back to live with his mom. I believe okay. he says he goes back to live with his mom. But at that point, he gets uh, he becomes part of this one band. I forget the name of the band. 
but the but they're rehearsing or he has to move somewhere else to be part of this band and he just tells his dad i'm going to i'm going to do this and his dad says okay but yeah, as, long right? as, as long as you he's, his dad says okay as long as you promise me you're going to take voice lessons if you're going to do this and if you're serious about right. it you're going to have to take voice lessons and then I, I forget how it is that he ends up living with this woman who is right. a Call girl prostitute. I think she's older than he is. I think yeah, she's like 21 she or something like that. I think she's 30. Was she 30? I thought she was mm-hmm. about 21. I thought that went. No. Or maybe Are just one sh- of the many yeah, stories. I think, you yes, know. I think it was one of uh, many because I think that this one was like 21 or something like that. That was his wife. His wife was the one that was, I think, five years older. Oh my gosh. It's hard to keep up. There were yeah, so many. There so, many. <laughs> so, but going to the voice lessons, I'm glad you brought that up. I thought it was interesting that considering once he gets sucked into that rock and world lifestyle and all those people and that cast of characters, I mean, once again, I don't know about you, but I'm reading this book in my comfy little chair, right? Sipping my tea because I'm not feeling that well. And I'm reading about just these people living in a kind of jungle. I mean, the way they exist, it's so feral and without deodorant you know what i'm saying (laughs) it's just so raunchy and debaucherous and there's no such thing as morning or night and no there isn't that's so interesting you say that christian you're absolutely right because there isn't they just there isn't yes but what i what always blows my mind is parallel to that or in the midst of that still is this person sebastian bach who's doing his voice he 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 Explains in detail, and I did enjoy that. So did I. What his vocal warm-ups are. And it t- it's like a full hour a day. He's and very serious is, about it, too. That is discipline. Yes. So to see this, this, this strict discipline amidst this otherwise completely carnal, free-for-all universe, is, is I, can, I always have a hard time with all the books we've read. I think we see versions of this again and again. You see these people, even Johnny Marr is like, I just wake up when I feel like it. I do what I want when I feel like it. I don't have any structure. But amidst that, there is this incredible discipline to, to their art and to what they love to do. And his, his I just can't imagine this guy who's, and by the way, the, the drunken hangover alcohol-induced afternoons and evenings this guy talks about man were at the hot they're they're they match Dave Mustaine's to me it really sounded like I would not want to experience even one night of what this guy daily lived in terms of the hangover I know the quantity of self-harm these people just routinely endured and yet he just gets up and still does his vocal his right. vocal warm-ups for an hour. Right. La 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 Yes. Yeah. Wherever he is, he does them in vans and hotels. It's it's that will always remain fascinating to me. And he does it throughout the whole book. We even he 20 does. years later, when he's on Broadway, he's la 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 la. la, la, la. <laughs> yes, yes. To journey. And to, to journey. Oh, right, right. <laughs> and I just I I don't know. I that's always going to be fascinating to me that these people can have both of these things can go coexist in them. Maybe at the at the end of it they recognize this is my meal ticket. I don't know. I can't pretend to the headspace of these people, Martha. And you know I have <laughs> made it clear we just don't we realize we're not these people. <laughs> we're not. Yeah. And you know what's in, you know the thing that really um 
the thing that I just cannot understand, Christian, and I found myself, I mean, I have found myself thinking this uh, with, with some of the books that we've read, but in particular with this book, one thing that I kept coming back to in my head, I just kept thinking, you know, he talks about how they would just sometimes just sit there like, it would just be, you know, a friend and, and him just sitting there or in someone's living room, in someone's house, just watching TV and getting super high and doing all of this. And I'm thinking, that does not sound fun to me. No. And how is this fun? Why are I, you hurting your bodies in this way? There's how is this fun? It sounds boring to me. And and I kept thinking, God, am I that lame? Like, no. is, there, is there something that I'm missing here? In because fact, I don't get it. This book succeeded at, at, to me, scratching through the surface of all the illusions of whatever rock and roll or fame and showing you the emptiness on the other side. Like, right? It did, and there's right, a single, there's a single There's a single moment where I thought, oh my, that's the most depressing thing I've read in all of the books we've read so far. So he, again, it helps that throughout the book, he, uh, again, there's a backdrop of his love for Kiss, okay? So then he becomes famous, and then he gets to meet his heroes, Kiss, in part, yes. namely Ace Freely, okay? So he's in love with Ace Freely, and he then describes being invited to go to Ace Freely's house. Yes. And you got to think, I mean, you don't have to, lo again, love Kiss to go, oh my God, you know, wow. Here he's, his heroes invited him over to his house to jam, to play music, to hang out, and to exist as an equal. Okay. So he takes us into Ace Freely's house, and it was the most depressing place <laughs> yes. I've ever seen described. Yeah. It was just, I imagined it to be dark and like the lights aren't even on. Yes, There's Christian. Just, there are just stacks of unused, disused, broken electronics, some working, some not, stacked everywhere. See, it sounded like a hoarder. It sounded like <laughs> a depressed, unimaginative, yes. electronic hoarder. And before they do anything, Ace is like, hey, let's hang out. And so I'm like, okay, well, gee, what does that look like? Wow, let's let's see what this, what does Ace freely do? What does Sebastian Bach get to do with this here? <laughs> what does the what does the Lord oh, of yeah. the Rings ring look like? Let yes, me see it. Show yes. me. And he shows you. And he says what he does with Ace Freely is watch porn and do coke. Yeah, I thought that was the most that was the biggest cautionary tale I had ever read of all the books because oh my god I he, felt exactly the same yeah, way you, Christian you, made it. you got to get to know yes. your hero behind the makeup in his house and he turns out this is his idea <laughs> of a good time and, and can I show you something to got to got go ahead sure can I tell you something when I read that <laughs> I want to tell you the first thing <laughs> God, I'm cracking myself up because I started kind of laughing. I thought, wait, I thought men just watched porn by themselves. Or no, it's like do so men, Do men really watch porn together? That just seems... They do. And you oh. know what? You do it in your 20s exclusively. You do it side by side while drinking that, a beer. That just doesn't... And it's, and it's like... But to think that this is what you've done with all of your fame and success no, but is you've basically <laughs> permanently arrested as a 20-year-old and you bring over another guy and go, let's just, I, need, I need to go back to get, this porn. Let's, I, I, think I, about I, it. Let's have erections side by side. I know. This is what I, <laughs> 
and too close. This is what I didn't understand. I thought, wait a minute. I think, hold on. Hold on, Christian. I need to discuss this because I, again, I am, you know what? I am, I have to admit something. I'm going to admit something to you and to our listening audience right now. The, The one thing that I have found the most educational about reading all of these books <laughs> is that, hold on, is that I am getting to, in some ways, learn more about the way men's brains work. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and. Neanderthal. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. And so when I read that, I have to tell you, Christian, when I read that, I thought, that is just pathetic on so oh, many yeah. different levels oh, yeah. right now. I thought to myself, A, first of all, I just would not, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me why two straight men would watch porn together. I right. just couldn't, I, like, I, I don't understand that. And then I it, thought to myself, does this really happen? Do men really get together and watch porn together? I don't understand. Do you want to know why it's really quadruply weird? These are men who, by admit their own admission, yeah, can have actual yeah. women alive in them. This is, this is, okay. And that is why I was incredulous of that when yeah. I read it. I thought to myself, no, they could be with with yeah. women. I mean, yeah. they could have any woman that they want. Yep. And yet they're stuck nope. together in this ugly, ugly sounding Depressing, dank. watching porn doing coke and drinking beer i'm like this is and i thought to myself if that's what fame is as a rock star no thank you i don't want that's (laughs) that's just i I was just struck by the absolute lack of depth of of who these people were yes and to me honestly it's apparent in the music too that they make i'm just gonna say it because Going back to what we, t- what you and I tend to do as hosts. So to our listeners, I'm pretty sure I have, I'm getting over COVID, right? So I'm sitting outside urgent care because I have to wait outside for the nurse to come out, right? Right. And, but I'm fascinated as I'm reading about Sebastian Bach and the seriousness with which he describes his latest albums and these ridiculous lyrics that sound like a 10 year old who's discovered video games is written. <laughs> so I'm, I've got a fever in my car. In my little comfy outfit, I'm reading War and Peace while listening to Skid Row. And so the woman <laughs> coming out to take my temperature, every time she comes out, I'm hurriedly turning the music down because I'm embarrassed to have her catch me listening to it. <laughs> and I keep thinking, like you do, what am I missing about this music? It attracts so many people. But I'm listening to Skid Row, and uh, it's just awful. It's it's just bad. The lyrics are they're bad. I, I know I've famously said they're not that important, but God, they're so aggressively just asinine and, and puerile and juvenile and 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 just pasted together. It's like right. somebody metaphorically went to a tattoo shops. They give me your binder of generic tattoos. If such a like if a lyric book like that existed, and those are the lyrics to their songs. And let's just tease our hair out and right. Let's get tattoos and. It's not, a, there's, there's nothing underneath any of that. Clearly, because when they get together, they just watch porn and talk coke. <laughs> Even when they've made it. You know what would be awesome, Martha? It would have been riveting if he got to Ace Freely's house and Ace Freely was like, 
painting model miniatures and talking about chess or something like really interesting. Like, right. yeah, I, that's just my day job. So I can really explore this deeper interest I have. Yes. It doesn't make any money. Yeah, Like I'm yes. fascinated by the front, the Prussian roar, or I'm learning about philosophy or I'm, I'm struggling with trying to, you know, anything. Yes, no, I'm working on an no. invention, something, no, something. Nothing. And yes. then you listen to the music they produce, and even that is just as blank. And, and right. it's like a, like a Subway sandwich has more flavor than all <laughs> that shit combined. Right. It's it's It was just fascinating to me. And I'm so glad you brought that up because that particular um, – meeting with 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 Ace because I felt exactly the same way Christian I just when he described all of that I just didn't understand what and you know and and the thing is that he continues to talk very fondly of him and very nicely oh, yeah. about him and I kept thinking I think that if I met one of my musical heroes and that's what I encountered and that was the extent of our interaction I would walk away so disappointed, you know, and and I mean, I probably wouldn't say anything bad about them, but I certainly, my perception and my opinion of them would very likely change very dramatically after that. Can you imagine if you got the call to go to Morrissey's house or Johnny, whoever, and you show up and you're so excited and all he wants to do is watch Friends? No. Yeah. It's like, please tell me this is like ironic, dry humor and you don't really mean this. He's like, no, no, I really love it. Can you believe Rachel? She's so funny. Like, I <laughs> right, or, or or you know, puts on some country music <laughs> or something. I don't know. Oh my goodness. So, a couple other interesting parts of the book. Um, apart from the, just that, the great. Oh, but Christian, we have to say though that they end up writing a song together. Well, do they though? Well, right, which he later doesn't get any credit for, uh, Sebastian. Right. Well, which is interesting to me because he, at various times, he sort of bends over backwards to explain a couple of times his contributions to the music that he's a part of. Right. um, Right. And he ultimately just never gets any songwriting credit for any of it. Okay. Yes. Yes. And he, I think the reason I ultimately don't believe him and won't and, and think, no, I don't think so. Oh, you don't believe that he wrote you know some what? of those songs? Well, I believe that he was there and jammed them out a little bit. Um, and I think to the extent that, so what Martha's talking about is they're on the tick, before or after they're doing coke and, and watching porn, they jam together. And, and Sebastian Bach is up front that most of it's garbage. Except for one song. He's like, this is really good. And he goes out of his way to articulate that he tells Ace Freely what he's hearing. And he'll play the guitar this way. No, play play the riff on the downbeat, on the downstrum. No, not on the up. And and then he, I guess he would even hum to him, like, no, 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 do it like this. Like, no, 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 hum it. And so nothing becomes of that song for a long, 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 long time. Yes. And then, yeah, I don't know, a decade goes by. And Sebastian Bach is always buying every release that any member of KISS puts out. Love it. Yes. And he hears Ace Freely has got a new album out. He pops it in the CD player and he recognizes the first track. (laughs) And he's like, oh, my God, this is the song we worked on. He's like, he's like, this is the greatest moment of my life. 
my hero is, you know, my song with my hero, blah, blah, blah. Well, the, the reader knows what's coming. Sebastian Bach is the only one who doesn't. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely, Christian. I already knew what was coming, too. Right. And I thought, oh, honey, you didn't get credit for yeah. this. Oh, Do you not so see sweet. it? Yeah. Do you not oh. see it coming? <laughs> absolutely, Christian. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So guess who doesn't give him any songwriting credits? Ace really doesn't. And Sebastian Bach, by the way, throughout the book, Sebastian Bach, has no problem telling us he bursts into tears quite often. It seems to be like a, you know, yes, he it's does. unusual for a male mem- memoir that we've read, that I've ever read that he. And you his, know what? I like that. I, so I did, did I. So I like did that. I. I like that. And I have to tell you, as I was reading, and then he'd say, oh, you know, I was. I started I was, crying. I was angry and I started crying. And I was mad. I, I started crying. And I thought to myself, this sounds. <laughs> Christian, I have to tell you, you got a preview of what my memoir will sound like because that That's I felt crying. like, yes, I was like, oh my gosh, he cries when he's upset. This he guy cries, cries when he's all happy. the time. He tells a story so, yes. about getting driving I, home in a blizzard, and he tells that story like it's the most. Like he had to land like some Boeing 747 full of passengers <laughs> in World War II to save the human race. No, he just had a strenuous drive home through a, it was a awful. snowstorm. But, it, but he's crying the whole time. He's crying tears. I'm gonna tell that was probably oh my god. Honestly, that was I thought so this guy's a pussy. That's so no, dumb. he's not. I never no, thought that. Come on. I didn't think that. I didn't think that. I didn't. I, I appreciate emotion and sensitivity. Oh, I so do I. That. So do I. I didn't I think that. I'm glad he did. But, but let me tell you something. Can I tell <laughs> you that out of all the books, all the books we've read, that was, I mean, I've had, obviously I have my favorites, but that was one of my favorite uh, stories, and I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> it was something. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't stop laughing. It was something that I related to so much. So let me tell you, I'm really afraid of lightning. Okay. I am. I am just absolutely afraid of lightning. Super, super afraid of it. And I have reason to be. My maternal grandmother got struck by it. My aunt, one of oh, my wow. aunts got struck. One of my aunts got struck by it. One of my dad's brothers got struck by lightning and he got killed by it. So there's reasons for why I'm scared. In and of itself, just it, lightning just really scares me. I'm not afraid of thunder. I, it, thunder, I don't care how it sounds. It never scares me. But lightning, I am, I am petrified of it. It scares me unlike anything. It really frightens me. Okay. And I've driven. <laughs> there's been times when I've and there's been lightning and i have started crying (laughs) because i'm so scared so when he was telling that story like it just scares me so much where i have to call like nick like oh my god and he's like calmed like i can because i just i'm so scared and so when he was telling that story about driving in the blizzard (laughs) he starts crying i thought i know what you felt like and i'm like i really felt for him he's just crying Desperately gripping onto the steering wheel. Do you know what I love about the guy though? He he just captures human that story captures all of human nature. Yes, because he's desperately praying to every god he can think of. Please let me get home. Please let me get home without dying. 
And it takes, takes him like six hours through a snow yes. blizzard, moving 10 miles an hour to get home. But the incredible thing is, after six straight hours of praying to God that he make it home safely, the second he realizes he sees his off-ramp for his house, and he's otherwise made it home safely, Yes. he then's like, oh, fuck it, I'll just speed up now. And he immediately crashes his car. Yes, poor and totals God. the whole thing. Poor guy. I'm like, that is the human race in one moment. Desperately praying for God's help. Desperately. And yes. now that I'm safe, ah, screw you, I'll do it my way. Roll the car down. Right, right. And then he gets home and it's like, his wife's like, where's the car? And he's like, ah. You know, totaled. <laughs> Just, just more Sebastian Bach, me being me. But I love that story. That was that was a favorite story. I have to admit, it was well, very relatable. The reason he's crying so hard in the Ace Freely story is because he realizes his 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 childhood hero has effed him out of any royalty credits on the song. Yes, and I, I see. Imagine Sebastian Bach pulled over on the side of the road, not seeing his name in the line liner notes. Of, C- of Ace Frehley's latest horrible album, which I listened to, by the way, while I'm sitting out there in urgent care with the fever. Oh, Christian. I put the song on, the song you're so desperately part of. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. I should write one and go, dude, don't cry. Like, thank it's you ter- for not having it's given terrible. you. <laughs> it's a terrible song. You're all terrible. I did like, there was a very funny story where I thought, interestingly enough, his rock star, I mean, he's full throttle, his fame, you know, at the height of their fame, the height of his being just a boorish rock star. It seemed more authentic than everybody else around him. So he and Skid Row get corralled into going to, to Moscow. <laughs> this is like straight out of Spinal Tap, I swear to God. Wait, what Do you remember this? this? What story? They go play a festival that's like an, it's an, Absent, it's like it's an abstemious. The festival is is because it's in Russia, and Russians have oh, a difficult time. Right, and right. And it's a country that succumbed to vodka. They have a festival. It, it's in support <laughs> of not drinking. Okay? Right, right. And, and yet, the people that they have enlisted for this cause is just this roster of hardcore heavy metal acts, yes, right? Yes. And all and Motley Crue Motley Crue is going through their like sober month. They're right, like not cool, right. man. We're not and only Sebastian Bach is like, where's the fucking alcohol? <laughs> right? Where's so the vodka? Where's yes. the vodka? And he's getting hammered on the side on the wings. He's getting hammered everywhere he goes and in elevators. He's just drinking vodka left and right. And people are mad at him because this country has decided to host a let's not drink alcohol right, festival. Right, yes. And I'm thinking, this is the only honest person in the room. This is a rock star you invited to your country. First of all, you don't invite rock stars. That's like inviting them to come to your abstinence convention. That's not the person. That's not the crew. And you're mad at him for being him? He's the only person who's like, hey, winking, like, this is a joke, right? We're all going to get loaded afterwards, right? Yes, he, he I definitely mean, felt that. Yeah, yes. he's the only one yes. legitimately keeping it real, if you will. You know what I mean? Yes. I just thought that was hysterical. Yes. All these rock stars, hey, hey, dude, come on, take it seriously. And he's like, are you kidding? Yes. I am. Let's rock and roll, bitches. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, give me some more alcohol. Let's right. rock. Let's get hey, the these, party hey, started. Right. Hey, these people have a drinking problem. We need to help them. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> and who throws a festival for that? 
Right. Leave Who it to the that? Russians, right? Leave it yeah, to the I know. Russians. It's the craziest. I just thought only in real life could a story like this happen. Yeah. And I felt for him. I would have mailed him a bottle of vodka had I been <laughs> Like, dude, I got your back on this one. Keep it real. Party hard. I want to dovetail quickly into um, something I've noticed and discovered. I was talking about with my friend, somebody who actually knew a lot more about Skid Row and Sebastian Bach. Oh, I've come to the conclusion that of all the characters you and I have encountered in all these books, and it's fun. You can see them pop up in different books. Right. I know you have the same feeling I do when you're reading book A and here's character whomever. Let's just say Lenny Kravitz. And then we read another book and, oh, wow, Lenny Kravitz is appearing over here. Right. So you get such a, a rich... Well, to- Lars to- from Metallica makes that's appearances. That's, that's who I was going to bring up. Martha. <laughs> I would like you to, I would like our listeners to know that so far in my journey and Martha's journey, I'm going to speak for both of us without question and all. And I've seen some kind of monster the documentary and I've read Dave Mustaine's book and I've read Sebastian Bach. And I heard an interview with Jim Brewer on the Howard Stern show that featured the story of Lars Ulrich. Oh, without wow. question, Lars Ulrich is the biggest dickhead. With he, there is no other angle to this person, no other side that I get see. He sounds pretty off-putting. He sounds off-putting. As a friend put it, spoiled ass munch in his pastels, you know, little tennis playing shorts that just got to make it famous through his rich parents and just made it to fame. And he is just an unrelenting asshole. I'm sorry to, to use such a profane word to our listeners who might have sensitive ears. But man, I mean, it's there doesn't I have never experienced one redeeming moment with this person. And it's no exception in this book. He's just another Ace Freely in this book. Sebastian Bach spends, I think they spend days together. They do. They They spend days together getting getting high. Yes. Getting high. Yes. Without sleeping. And he does speak to just what. What it must be like when you're that rich. They come home to Lars Ulrich's crazy, uber, fancy, rich, like you and I can't imagine pad. Right. Where he's even got an elevator. That elevator. Takes him, because yeah. he doesn't want to take the stairs or can't go up a hill. He's got an elevator that takes him. You get the sense all of like 10 feet from his little garage. But when right. they pull into the garage, one of Lars Ulrich's cars looks different. They can't figure out why it would about it looks <laughs> different, right? Oh, yeah. This is really funny. But Lars yeah. Ulrich is looking and like, that's what something about that's weird. My car, this like quarter of a million dollar car. But they just, they brush it off and proceed to spend two or three days doing nothing but drugs, probably watching porn and listening <laughs> to music. Probably, like, probably. It's just like 12 year olds without a teacher in the room. That's essentially who these people are. He and Sebastian Bach. The only reason this 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 bender is ruined is because his grandmother, his grandmother, his goes. grandmother tracks him down. And Lars Ulrich is like, "Holy shit, your grandmother is here!" <laughs> and at the end of the bender, they exit the facility, the compound. I don't know how what this house looks like, but they realize that Lars Ulrich is quarter of a million dollar vehicle has been ransacked of its radio and that somebody's stolen all of the contents of it. And they just like giggle it off. Yeah. They're just like, ah, oh, so funny. You know, someone will take care of that for me. And, and for there us. was only one like that. He said, wasn't yeah. there something, uh, there was something very unique about this, this car. car sound yeah. system uh-huh. too. And all I kept thinking about is 
I will never know what that's like. <laughs> you know, yeah, I will right. never. How hey. is it that you can? How is it that you can just laugh something off like that when clearly that must have cost so much money? You know, to have right. that. I'm thinking, wow, that's that's rich. That is literally yes, yes, yes. But you know, the the one thing that um, also made me laugh about uh, this whole thing with Lars at one point. He talks about Metallica, and it made me think again. You know, and again, this is what oh. I love about all these books, all of yeah. the connections and all these sort of things. And uh, it made me think about Dave's book yes. uh, and, and style again because, oh, right. because yeah. he says, Sebastian says, that they were by far the ugliest, ugliest. looking. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> That was almost worth reading the whole book. Yes, that they were the ugliest looking band and the way they dressed was awful. Like he just cannot understand any of it. He thought yeah. that, yes, they might be the number one um, heavy metal band, but they looked awful and they dressed awful. And I started laughing so much because, you know, again, we go back to the other book with Dave Mustaine and it was all about style. And right. you know, here you have one of their um, yeah. counterparts saying, these guys were ugly. Uh, <laughs> you know? He almost enunciate the way he writes it. He's yes. so specific in his language. Yes. These are the yes. ugliest human beings <laughs> Yes. I thought that was so refreshing because it's not somebody from our camp saying it. It's right. somebody from his, their camp exactly. saying, exactly. you guys are ugly. Exactly. Your whole and look is just like a, like if a 20-year-old <laughs> could be an alcoholic and mean and yes. that's it. And yes. pimply and unwashed and just... <laughs> Gross, man. Yes. And it was just, it it just made me laugh. I thought, well, here's one of their own saying it. You know, it's, you know not, it's not just us. He also tells a story of Metallica. It's like, this is why, again, what I also like about Sebastian Bach, he uses an analogy that about how there's different factions of music. And, you know, you are, some kids on the playground, you know, this is our area of the playground and we don't mix with you kids on your area of the playground. Yes. And I like that he up front says that about music. And if you love one kind of music, that typically means at the exclusion of something else. Right. And you and I, to us, it's at the exclusion of that whole heavy metal <laughs> yes. thing. Like, that's gross, a little scary, and like might beat me up. And <laughs> I, I felt a little validated because when he talks about that scene on the roof with Metallica. Oh, right. And it just seemed like thuggish, uneducated bullies just destroying property, laughing yes, it off. They, yes. they throw, a, is it a bicycle or a motorcycle? That it's they just, a, I think it's, a, no, it's a bicycle. It's a he's, bicycle? He's doing stuff. He's like riding this bicycle and it just happens. And that really bothered me, Christian. It bothered me too. It, it bothered, really bothered me. me. I thought because this. Are, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no ahead. because, well, the, the bike, the, the bicycle falls, oh, it, it just... It goes, you know, they're on the rooftop and then it just ends up crashing um, onto a, what do you car. say, like a car, a, a brand new car. It. Yes. Yeah. And they just laugh. And, they and just I thought, laugh. And I thought to myself, they, they could have afforded to have left a note and a phone number so that they could pay for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just really, I don't know, it just bothered me when I read that. I thought, it you know, did. that's just, it's just so off-putting and so tacky and yeah. i don't know it, i it, felt it validated this is why i kept my distance from people like you because you do things like that and you just think it's funny you it's just not. think it's funny and it's just a, it's gross it's like if you could i i always said the most repulsive human habit a person can have is to litter it condenses all of just 
I'm worth more than you are, and it's your job to clean it up, and I don't care. All yes. in one gesture. And I really yes. feel like Metallica has just that flavor is all over them, you know, of just gross bullying. T- and, and you know what, Christian? I'm glad you bring that up because I've been thinking about something um, since one of our last episodes. And, I, and you know, we talked, we've often talked about how, you know, music is so important to us, right? And how it's it's so important to us to to find an, someone who shares our same interests in music right. and to and all of this, and you know, there's I, I've often said this to people when they when you know they they kind of tease me about like oh my gosh Martha you and this whole thing about how music you have to have you know the same taste and and, and this and the other. But, you know, it's more than just that you have the same taste. I think that essentially what it comes down to is that the people who you share musical tastes with, it goes beyond just that. You probably also share a very similar point of view about life. Correct. You probably also share certain values. You probably also share... uh, just a certain way of of looking at things in the world and there is a certain there it goes beyond just that it's a shared value system almost yep, absolutely. You know? absolutely and that's and that's why it's as important as it is when yes. you know, to, to to find those commonalities with people and you know i always say that the people that i have had the most meaningful relationships with whether it be a friendship or a romantic relationship it's always been the people who share my musical taste yeah but it's not just because we like the same bands it's not because we like the same songs it's not that it's just that those people also happen to see life very similarly sure. to the way that I do. And so when when that particular instance, you know, when that when he recounts that story about how they all just kind of laugh at, oh my God, look at the bike. Ah, oh well, let's go out and get, get some more beers. I thought to myself, you know, this really sort of solidifies um yep. my my belief and why it's important for me personally to to have relationships with people that are that are set that have similarities to me because it goes beyond the music. It goes mm-hmm. beyond all of those things. It does. And, and I think he illustrates that so clearly in that instance. I, I think he did such a good job at just whether he realized or not. What he, he was I don't doing. think he meant to. No, he didn't mean to. He, of yeah. course he didn't mean to. It was just another one of these, ha ha, look at what we did. We were so drunk right. and high and wow. ha ha, right? Yeah. But, but to me, that just cemented that even further, that each person, you know, whatever your musical taste is or that tribe that you belong to, you know, um, it, it shares those commonalities. And in this instance, it was proven brilliantly because they all felt the same there wasn't a single one of them that said hey guys this isn't cool why don't we right. nope. leave our like at least you know a way for this person to contact us right because he even said you know we we knew that this person had spent their hard-earned money to get themselves this nice car and the window was broken and this yep. whole thing was shattered and i thought well you were conscious conscientious enough to acknowledge the fact that this person had to save the money. How about making it easier for them to fix it? No, they just laughed it off. Yeah, like, and uh, they went on their merry way to get drunk and high, you know? Yeah, so. it was so... I, I, yeah, I couldn't... I can't really add more to what you had to say. That's what music is telling of so many other things. Yes, I remember it really a woman, is. A woman wanted to... She's like, you, you, you want to stop... 
I mean, we hadn't even, it was like a bumble thing, right? Right. And I was like, it's not going to work. You like country music. She's like, oh my God, you judge people based on their music. I'm like, lady, you know, if you don't even, already you've revealed a problem that clearly doesn't mean to you what it means to me, but it is a tribe. It's like your biker jacket. And it tells me so much about, like you said, your mindset, what you think, what you like. That just tells right. me I can fill the, I might be off by 10%. Right, but I'm, I'm not right. most, but most likely I'm not, and I'm yes. sure you make assumptions about me based on what I like, and I, I think I'm willing, I'm choosing to let you make them by where when I when I go in public <laughs> yes. wearing a band T-shirt, I'm actually telling the world, telegraphing to the world, <laughs> yes. this is what I think, who I am, this is my tribe. Yes, and so I when I'm reading this book, I. I felt, yeah, I don't think I'm missing anything with this heavy metal stuff. <laughs> That's exactly. Uh, he further he further confirmed it. Reading yeah. this book further confirmed a lot of the things that I thought because he says them himself. He says them himself. And yeah. again, I don't know whether he he set out to to do that necessarily or to, you know, just make it more pronounced for for us, but he certainly delivered that message with so much of what he said. That's why the ending of the book becomes interesting because he's removed from that heavy metal world. Yes, yes. And he's thrust into a theater world. It's very structured. He's got it. And he even, it's interesting how quickly he responds to it. Yes. He's, he never misses a show. He's, he's very disciplined. I did admire disciplined. that. Yes. It's like yes. that's one, it's like almost like that part of him was just waiting to be, um, to be exposed, to find a home. That's how I felt, you know? Christian. I felt mm-hmm. that too. And in fact, I thought, you know, I, I kind of, by the end of the book, I started liking him as a person because I found him to be so disciplined. I found him to be, uh, I mean, yes, there was still some drug use and there was still the drinking and whatnot, but it was almost as though he reeled himself in and his his focus changed and it became about learning these lines and and his, le- you know, the one thing that that stood out to me too uh, was his level of professionalism and the seriousness with which he takes his performing. You know, he talks about he will he has never been drunk or high before he goes on stage. He wants to give it his all and and he, you know, his discipline with his uh singing and, and all of these sorts of things. So I, I admired that about him because, you know, we've read about other people who go on stage and they're totally high as a kite, you know, or totally drunk off their mind. So right. there were things about that that I, I I did respect and I admired him for. But it seemed to me that when he gets to that later part of the book, when he does become an actor and he's doing all of that, it just seemed like, yes, like it, almost as though uh, he was looking for some sense of structure. And perhaps yeah. he was, you know, his life was really falling apart at that point. So I think that that did, in fact, give him a structure that he was lacking otherwise in other parts of what was going on, you know, privately uh you know, off stage it however for all of that he's still a glutton for punishment and he discusses yes. how crushed he is because again he invites ace freely <laughs> to yes. come watch, watch him perform in a broadway musical and i'm like dude how could you not read the room man ace freely of kiss is not going to be into theater broadway theater and right. what's really interesting about even though that's true and that seems self-evident to me Yet Kiss themselves and so much of heavy metal to me seems like theater. It yeah, seems it's like so operatic yeah. theater. And, especially and Kiss. Especially Kiss. You know, when I was a teenager and I liked what I liked and I would I would look in, 
you know, like a sociologist or anthropologist, I would watch these heavy metal videos thinking these guys who think they're so hard, they look like girls. They dre- they're dressed up like, not even in an androgynous, cool way like David Bowie. You've just teased your hair no different than a 16-year-old girl would. They look like there's something so feminine about that. The and makeup yet, and all of that, right? All of it. It's so feminine to me. And yet they, they always thought and think they're so hard. At least Metallica didn't do the makeup thing. They're like, we're just hard and gross. And <laughs> Well, maybe that's why they weren't as attractive. They didn't look pretty without. I, guess, I thought both were pretty. just equally uh, <laughs> unappealing. But he's surprised when he's, he, he asks like a little kid, he, he, you know, he's like, is Ace Freely liking the show? And someone has to tell him Ace Freely really left it, left his it dad. the mission. Yes. And his dad has and, a really hard time telling him yeah, too. Yeah, like, like oh, this son, is your real hero. Your hero let you down again. Yes, not yes. only did he not give you songwriting credits, but when you made he the mistake bailed. of inviting him to your Broadway performance where you sing theater, believe it or not, he left it intermission. He's crushed. Right. He's yes. totally crushed. Yeah. I just thought, boy, if some people, you just... He just you, didn't get you it. You want the love you know? of certain people. You want their love and nobody else is going to do. Yes. And anyway, that's what is interesting to me about Skid Row as well is how operatic they, as he is, he's as as a lead singer and how he's a trained singer. And he's for, a trained singer. I was about to yeah, say that. He's so a trained as singer. Hardcore as Skid Row is, it really felt like you have a trained. How rock and roll is it if you have a trained singer? You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. Not, that's not rock and roll, man. Rock and roll is to find a way. And even if you can't do it, you do it anyway. And the fact that you can't do it is what makes it rock and roll. You know what I mean? Right. But if you go out and say, we need somebody who can sing like, you know, six octaves perfectly. La, 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 la. <laughs> you know I mean? How hard is that? That's not hard. You know what I mean? That's not, yes. How heavy is that metal? It's not. You're right. just, it's just showmanship. It's just, it's, I mean, at least Kiss would never pretend that they weren't. They're like, let's just put on a spectacle, you know, and write generic music. Yeah. You know, they've always been up front that our music's not great. Who cares? We just want to make money. Right. You know, but you, I think people aren't in it necessarily. I mean, I, I imagine some people really do love the music, but they I do. think it's, it's just the theatrics. of. It. I mean, I remember as a little kid, you know, watching Kiss on TV and or whatnot, and I was always a little mesmerized by them in that I responded to the theatrics of what I saw, you yeah, know, so because, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I necessarily like the music, but when I would see them, I was captivated. Sure. You know, I they would come be. on and I'd be like, oh, wow. Like now yeah. they're flying. Do you remember that they would like yeah, fly and do all these weird things and, 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 and play, yeah, playing the guitar while they were flying. Yeah. I'd be like, wow, what is going on? I mean, yeah. I wasn't a fan of the music, but I was captivated by the, by the theatrics right. and by the makeup and by the costumes or costumes were so outlandish and, and all of that. So yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely that element there for for all of these heavy metal bands. I mean, I think yeah. they all just put on a a show in a very out there kind of way. So there's an end. The, the end of this book, Martha, has one of those. It's it's common now, but yes. it never fails to horrify me. Quite honestly, 
He spends the bulk of your the bulk of your reading experience with Mr. Bach is spent with him having one wife, his same wife, even though he's cheating on her left and right. I mean, I mean, the smorgasbord of women yes. he talks about, and he's he tells some really just out, just upfront, totally degrading stories of, of the things that, that these musicians do to women, and the way in which yeah. women are just signed up for it. It's like a crazy world you and I have no idea about. Yes. Anyway. He's got two kids, he's married, and his surprise, surprise, his whole marriage goes up in flames. And he After loses, 20 years, yeah, too. He's he loses the kids. He loses he doesn't really go into the why of it. Um Well, I think we can we Well, can you can just, just imagine she yes. opens her eyes and says, Good Lord, you're a you're a train wreck, and I'm doing all the heavy lifting of this family. He loses his entire family. And then he temporarily tries to live near his children. But he says, I think he tries to sanitize his attempts. And basically, he he just loses permanently, I get a sense, his original family. And he does that thing where he concludes the book by, hey, everybody, happy ending. I got a brand new wife. I got a, he even says a brand new family. Yes. And it's just, it's horrifying when I read sentences like that, because you think what has any value to anybody if, if all these things are just replaceable human beings, oh, I just got a new one. Oh yeah, my I God. Got, yes. I got a new family. I felt that too. There's not the word family and the word new. They're not supposed to go together, Martha. They're supposed to, you know, and the way I am you, so glad you're bringing this up because I felt the same. It really gave me the willies. It gave me the chills. Like, and because I know so many people similarly feel that way and go along with that. And like, and I'm sure a lot of people are like, good for him. You found happiness at last. Well, what about his original family? How does that, what's that story like? What? Well, it's well such he a does mess. say, right. Well, he does say that, um, you know, it sounds like his, his new, his, his right. wife had two children already, and yeah, and he they said, move on fast, man. Yes, they do, and um, but he also says that his his you know his his three kids from his marriage, so they're all sort of like this big happy blended family. Uh, and, I didn't get that. Maybe I misread that. No, I didn't yeah, get the blended said, thing. No, yeah, he talks about his other kids. He says that he has well, okay. you know his his two sons, his beautiful daughter. Those were friends from his first marriage, and then um, his, oh sh. His wife, his his current wife, and his oh, two right. and his and his two new sons. He I, says. Yeah, I read I, re- I read that sentence five times because you have to read between the lines. He doesn't say they are not my children. You yes. have to figure out what he means. Yeah. Is that they yes. were, yeah, yeah. Correct. It was it was it was his his current wife's uh, two children, two sons. Right. But I felt the same. I thought to myself, how do you? I, I just don't understand. <laughs> I don't, I have a really hard yeah. time understanding that. And, but you know, the one thing that, and I hate to say this, Christian, I really hate to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, God, it, it just bothers me to acknowledge this, but the one thing that I've taken away from all of these books, and again, it goes back to what I said earlier about how if there's one thing I'm learning through all of these books is I'm learning a lot about men yeah, <laughs> and, and, um, and, you know, I, I think I, I have enough life experience that I, that I would know certain things about life <laughs> enough, you know, but, yep. <laughs> but when it, but when it comes to men, I, I find myself, uh, as we've read all these books that I, I, I just don't know as much about them as I think I no. do. <laughs> 
Uh, mm-hmm. The one thing that I have learned is that as much as I hate to admit this, I, I, the one thing that's consistent, and obviously it's true because it's been so consistent, is that men can really have a heart for someone. They can really love someone. They can really have a lot of really deep feelings for a woman. Mm-hmm. But it's still very easy for them to sleep with a lot of oh, other yes. women. Yes. And, and well, I've always... Um, I, there's always been a part of me that that has thought that that might have been the case, you know, uh, just because, again, you know, life and whatnot. But but the more I read these books, yeah, the more that has cemented itself as a fact. And I hate to acknowledge this. And in no way am I saying that that makes it okay. In no way am I saying. Girls, if you're guys, let them. It's okay. He's just, no, I'm not saying any of that. I'm not saying any of that. But I am acknowledging that there has to be obviously some truth if men, if man after man whose books we've read tell the exact same story about how they are so in love with their woman, but yet they don't have a problem sleeping with X amount of women. Well, and 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 the thing that really um and and this in this particular book what really illustrated that to me was when he gets together with Christina Applegate all right mm-hmm. yeah you know and and he talks about um he says well he doesn't he he says that he, they don't have sex though i mean he was very i know i was so i felt yeah, so relieved yeah so did i so did i and i thought that that was yeah, I, I found that interesting that he did that. But but what he does say is that, you know, he really liked her and he does spend the night with her. You know, they fool around, but they it never actually happens. But but he says, you know, I really liked her and she was so nice and we had so much fun together. But but he says he couldn't do it because he was so in love with his wife. And the thing that really struck me was Boy, men really operate in a whole different, um, that to me, Christian, when he tells that story, it just really illustrated to me just how, how different men are from women, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I thought to myself, boy, you know, men really, cause he talks about like, oh, we had so much fun together and, oh, we were having a blast and da, 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 da. And, you know, and this is not to say that there aren't women that do, I'm sure that there's women who, who do that as well, you know, but for the most part, it's, you know, it's not something that it's as easy for women to do. Uh, but again, book after book, you hear about all these stories with men, you know, saying like, oh, I was, I'm so in love with her and oh, I just loved her so much, but oh boy, I was getting my kicks with this woman. It was just the best, this and that. And you're just kind of like, what is going on? But I mean, again, you've got to believe that this is in fact the way men, men operate, that they can really have a lot of feeling for a woman. And it's also very easy for them to sleep around, <laughs> you know? Um, but the thing that also really struck me about, um, about that whole thing with, with Christina Applegate was how after the first meeting, Christian, she flies out to Paris to be with him. I know, crazy. And she takes her mom and her grandmother. I know, so and, weird. And I thought to myself, and, and here is a PSA for all the women listening. 
I don't care how handsome you think this new guy that you might have met is. I don't care how charming and wonderful you think. Like, don't do that. <laughs> don't do don't that. Don't take your family and fly out to Paris. No, yeah. I mean, take your family and fly them out to Paris if you can do that. I mean, make it a, a family trip. Do that if you have the means to do it. Go for it. But don't do it to go meet a guy that, you know, and introduce him to these important people in your life. Right. And then on top of that, talk to him about getting married and how you want to go and live in a farm. And I'm yeah, thinking, what it. is this? And there's women that do that, Christian. There are women that I do that. I, w- I wish Christine Applegate were still single after reading this. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'll truly. go live on a farm with you, honey. But, you know, it's it's just so interesting to me how, and I thought to myself, why didn't her mom stop her? Trust me, Christian, if I would have done that at any point when I was single and mm-hmm. flown my mom out and my, my mom would have been, what are you doing? What are you, what are you being, why are you being crazy? You just met this guy. Stop it. What is wrong with you? You know, I thought to myself, why didn't her mom stop her? But anyhow, I just found all of this so fascinating because I thought to myself, boy, out of all of these books, I'm just really finally really starting to to grasp this notion that men are truly men are just so different. <laughs> you know, they their their mind of a man is just so different. And 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 that particular um that whole story and just all of that just really sort of cemented it for me that that it is in fact very possible for men to operate on these two different levels and still I don't know. I mean, again, it doesn't make it okay, but it's it's almost like that's just the way that it is, you know? And again, it's not saying that women should put up with it if they're being cheated on or whatever, but but it's just, it seems that this is just the way a lot of men, a lot of men operate. And, you know, interestingly, at the end, towards the end, he talks about how now he travels with his wife. Yeah. You know, he got, talks about, to. yeah, that, that's what he says. And that's what he says that you have mm-hmm. to. Yeah. And and it reminded me of what you and I have said as we've read other books, Christian, how we've said, if any rock star wants to make a relationship work, then uh, they probably either have to decide between, you know, they either just, if they want their marriage or their relationship to work, then either they just have to leave the band altogether or find a solution to where they're not going to be without this person. And it seems like he's found that, you know, and that's bringing his wife along on tour with him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that story I enjoyed because it was a nice pause amidst all the other wives. Yes, craziness. it was. It was. And I was, I remember feeling so, I guess for lack of a better word, disappointed when I saw Christina Applegate, I was like, Oh no, now he's going to tell us about all the sexual conquests of what they did and what he did to her. And so I was, I, I was pleasantly relieved. So was he, I. He's like, I did, you know, I just, I could never, you know, I treated her with kid gloves. It's interesting. It's like, he's basically conveying because I respected her. I did not have sex with her. Yes. But you he know? says that she was very sweet and very right. nice and, and, and he really liked her. I thought there was an interesting parallel between this and the Lisa Bonet story in that, look, I'm sure he slept with a hundred women that just objectively speaking, not to be mean or whatever, uh, were maybe even better looking than Christina Applegate. But her value to him also was was in her fame as well. In her, like that has its own mental value in his headspace. Because clearly he'd slept with, I'm sure, Honda women looked just like Christina Applegate. Right. But that 
she was so desired by so many people and that she could have this just all the politics of all of that going on right her yes. value yes was interesting and in, about how all people operate and for lenny gravitz as well that's what he was set aside he didn't set aside he could have had anybody well not anybody at the time but he picked lisa bonan the cover of a magazine and said that's the one i want right you know what i mean she's an achievement because she's famous and everybody wants her and it's an achievement it's like it's, it's all about the male ego again I'm yes. sure he could have had sex with Christina Applegate if he tried hard enough. Oh, you know, yes. that wasn't in a sense he'd already achieved it. I got Christina Applegate. I don't even right. need to. It's a his right. he stroked the male ego already. Yes. It was fascinating. Um, there was an odd um moment at the end where I thought the book just gets weird because you know his life becomes so weird. But he drops two random weird things. First of all, he he talks about 9-11 as if you don't know what it is. right yes he does he's like i woke up in the morning of 9 11 like and i kept waiting like were you on the one of the planes and i just don't know about it because unless you were like there 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 how is your story about that any different than mine that has nothing to do with sebastian bach everyone has a story yeah so why you make it sound like yours though i woke up i was a typical morning but it was different it was September 11th. It reminded like, me of uh, Debbie uh, Harry. It yeah, reminded me of Debbie He's Harry. Like, yes. You know, everything you do isn't made more important by the fact that you're Sebastian Bach. And, you know, right. very little, in fact, is. And right. So this story doesn't mean more to you than it did to me. You think you're, you think 9-11 has value because you experienced it? Is that what you're telling me? You know we I mean? all did. Like, <laughs> let me tell you people about this day called 9-11 that has value because I was there to experience it. Yes. It was so out of touch. So that was a little like, you know, wow, I can't believe nobody just said, let's just nix that little chapter completely from the story. Correct. And then he has this little, like, this bizarre uh uh, ending a uh, little little elf-like figure arrives at the end to give this bizarre like special appearance closure where he's like ladies and gentlemen it really feels this way martha ladies and gentlemen sean penn <laughs> <You're right. laughs> yes. the way he tells at the, the end story of the book, yeah. at the end of the book like it's like his his book turns into like a celebrity review show where, oh absolutely with the actual rose story yeah let me just drop in the names yeah, and, yeah. and the, the last one the surprise finale is ladies and gentlemen sean penn yeah you know him from such movies as and i've always just thought wow the way he really inhabits the role you know that's what makes him Sean Penn. Let's yes. give him a round of applause. You forget was, you're watching Sean Penn because he's you forget, really important. Really? Wow. Everywhere. Thank you, Sebastian. I didn't know this yes. was a weird actor named Sean Penn. Yes. Thank you for telling me what 9-11 was like. And now thank <laughs> you for telling me that Sean Penn's a good actor. And honestly, I just lost respect for Sean Penn. I was like, are you telling me, Sean Penn, <laughs> you have this closely studied the career trajectory oh my of God. Sebastian Christian, <laughs> I thought similarly. I thought, wait, he was a fan? What? Right. what are you talking about? And he's so crude and crass. Like, dude, what I want to know is, how are you not dead yet, motherfucker? Whoa! It's just was... like, God... You guys are bros to the end. And it's oh so my gosh. Gross. I, you know, if there's one thing about all <laughs> these books, it's really demystifying celebrity for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? It really is. It really, yeah. really is. 
Yeah, it totally did. By that, you know, if, you know, I'm gonna if, if I become famous, Martha. Yes, I'm, tell me. I'm just because I'm just that guy. I'm not gonna let the other person in on the joke. Anybody who really wants to meet me because I'm become famous. Yeah. If they come in my house, I'm gonna I'm gonna put on porn and have coke out. <laughs> And I'm going to let them go away thinking that's really who I am. And only you and I are going to be on the joke. And I have a list of people that I've invited over and done that to. Please don't, Christian. (laughs) And they're all going to go away saying the same story. Like, oh, my God, did you go to Christian's house? I was so surprised. It was, like, so boring. I just wanted to put on, like, VHS porn and do coke. And then, no, don't do that because then then people will tell me, Martha, why are you even working on this podcast with this weirdo guy? It's just, I don't know. I'll be like, you know what? No, You don't get it. You don't get it. It's a joke. It's it's like, it's it's not not true. It's not true. I don't think so. He just brings out the coke and the porn. Oh, God, no, Christian. No, he's kidding. He's kidding. Christian, please don't. I don't don't want people to think you're that guy. I just, I'm going to have to at least once just to do it. Just to do it. Oh, my oh, goodness. Man. And then they'll say, Martha, it's so different with you. You just offer a champagne and caviar. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> men really are gross. It's just disgusting. <laughs> He's just got Christina Applegate porn on. <laughs> oh, stop <laughs> it. Stop it. He well, just keeps watching Married with Children yeah, over and over like, again. It's on so obsessive. He keeps telling me, like, if I've heard of 9-11, he keeps showing me, like, these two buildings once existed. Stop, that's, me that's not nice. That was a very traumatic day. <laughs> I'm aware of that, Martha. <laughs> that is my point. I know. I know. I feel like we should we should write our letters to Sebastian. Should be please tell us more. Like what else? What, other, what happened at Pearl Harbor? I've heard of this day. Is there we should a thing? we should try and meet with him since he lives here in L.A. There should be like a History Channel, like the world according to Sebastian Bach. Like, <laughs> let me tell you how brushing your teeth is important. Oh and my it was just weird. The book gets weird at the end. It does get a little weird. I do. It was almost as though he was trying to find ways to just end it. And he was thinking of stories yeah. like, oh, what famous other person? What other famous person should I talk about now? Ladies like, and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> Put your hands together. You know him from such illustrious things as baptized <laughs> and rich high. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and his marriage to Madonna. Right. Is, oh man. And he so tries and he forces, he tries to force the like Skid Row should get together again. Because it's the people, man. It's those yes. people who make the music. Yes. And he really tries to make it sound like there's a real push for a Skid Row reunion. <laughs> there is. It. Oh, and we're leaving now, and I don't think we have time to get into his whole briefs. I wish he'd gone further into this. His I didn't even know about it. His whole tenure on Gilmore Girls. Oh, I I never watched whole, that show. So I never yeah, did I either, know. but the, I would have loved to explore that set. Like, what's that like, you know? And you're now on a set with these actors who probably live, compared to you, a fairly benign, normal life. And here you are, Sebastian Bach, once a day going, la, 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 And I would like to, you know what? I would like to, you know, unless there's more you want to say about Sebastian. I'd like to. No, I don't. Bring the plane in the land on to, okay, the song, I Remember You. And because there's something I have noticed and read about repeatedly. He says that the song, I Remember You, was basically a joke. 
that the band members wrote it as a lark and just thought it was too yeah, sensitive and too in your face, too obvious. There's no yes. way that a heavy metal band could do it. And it's I have repeatedly heard that story told by a variety of artists who say, "Oh, that, really? Oh, yes, about that the, song? No, 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 no. Their biggest oh. hits were always oh, yes, the ones biggest hits. Yes. They thought were it was a throwaway. They didn't try right. at all. They didn't want to release it. I've read that about um, Human League's. Um, I was working as a waitress in a Oh, hotel. I he, didn't know he, that. Hey, really? He wrote it in like a, an hour. He hated it. He didn't want to release it. He, he To this day, he despises the song. And I did not so, know that, Christian. It is a piece of perfect pop music. It's a and great it, it song. Perfect. Perfect. Who it, doesn't it, feel inclined to sing that chorus? When I can't. Hear that? There's a movie. One of my, I can't have time to get into it. But that song is, uh, it's just so perfect. I think another song that um, was famous for that, Under the Milky Way. Oh my gosh, Christian. He didn't like it. He throw it. I'm telling you, I've read, I'm again, in law school, Wikipedia, all I do is read about this stuff. <laughs> Christian, under the Milky Way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Everybody I, loves I, that song, no, aren't let they? Me, you know that? Okay, I have to tell you, that song always, when I hear that song, I'm going to tell you why I love that song so much. I mean, that song was a, a huge hit, as we all know. It was a huge, huge hit. I absolutely loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And that song, every time I hear it, instantaneously, I am transported to being a 16-year-old kid yes. in my dad's car with my dad driving me to school. Every single time that I, I cannot hear that song and not be transported back he, into my dad's car he, and, and, as he's driving me to school and me turning it up. And I would always turn it up and my dad would always say, right. Martha, turn it down. And I'd be like, Dad, I love the song. And I would and always turn it up. Martha, he thought it was barely worthy of the B-side. Oh my goodness. I never yeah, knew this. Just, I throwaway. never knew this. Did you want to know what other song was a complete throwaway? Which that, one? That they thought was a joke and like it couldn't. And the, the opening guitar riff was even composed as like a joke. Like this is like so bubblegum ridiculously. Am I going to be shocked? Sweet child of mine. Get out that of is here. Like a, that is like a seminal, like, however you feel about the song, it is enshrined as a, in the holy, if, a, if the goblet of rock is composed of like, let's say 50 songs, like it or not, that's one of them. And that yeah, opening absolutely, riff, absolutely. Yeah, it was a joke. They, they treated it the You're same way. You're kidding. Yeah, and, and Axl Rose is like, fine, I'll write some lyrics for it and we'll sing it. And You're and, kidding. And I like, never knew that. The, it's like when the artists aren't trying at all is when it comes out. Oh, and to have that genius. To have that genius. <laughs> yeah, I know. Depeche, a couple of Depeche Mode songs, I think, were that way. And um, Which ones? I, I, off the top of my head, I'm not, I don't want to authoritatively say, I can't, I don't know for sure. Oh, I know that, oh, here's another one that was written in, in an hour and they thought it was a joke. And, um, but not tonight. Oh my gosh, yeah, that is yeah. one of my favorite yeah. Depeche Mode songs. Thought, it was too, they, Stop they it. did it in an hour from start to finish. They did it in an hour. And because of that, Stop they're just it. like, it's worthless. It's just trivial oh, garbage. As you know, and I'm everybody not, loves that song. That is everybody a phenomenal song. song. As you know, I'm not the biggest Depeche Mode fan. I only like what Martin sings, but that is one of my favorite Dave songs. I mean, that is when he, I just. Uh, one of my favorite songs that he sings. I mean, obviously Martin writes all of them, but but yes, I mean, uh, 
I oh my gosh, that is perfection. That song. Yes, <laughs> that is perfection. Wow. So Interesting. I didn't know I that. I would like to say about the song I Remember You, which I have now been listening to almost nonstop for two straight weeks. <laughs> love it and it's interesting because when i first heard it when i was 16 it sounded heavy actually like it was a little loud and now it's it just sounds like a pop song it's so funny but i do think that that song it, you know those schools of there actually exist schools of rock you can enroll your child yes, into yes, a school of rock yes. that song sounds like it was created like at a like school as, of rock <laughs> at, yeah at the school of rock and it's because it's got every conceivable element of what people kind of think of rock and roll as being i mean even the operatic over the top singing that he submits to that and by the way i don't want to diminish for a second i think the reason i was prompted to pick this song apart from the obvious is i was listening to the song again and i would invite anybody listening to our podcast to listen to that song again and listen to his vocal performance because it really is an absolutely stunning accomplishment. If you listen to the end of that song, he digs hard into I remember, and then he 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 says, I remember, but then he holds it again and he says, I remember you. Okay. And it's like to watch him go to the heights that he has to go to, to hit the note at the top, and then to land it right at the right bar at the measure that he does. It takes there's so much oxygen he's got to have in his lungs so much volume so much skill and he nails it if you listen to it martha after we're done recording he's even got gas to spare when he hits it when he lands it and everything about the recording sounds like musicians all of whom are can do their thing at the highest level and even the guitar solo if you listen to it martha Yes. Okay. At the, at the bridge of the song, the way Sebastian and the lyrics are so inane, you know, but that's the price we pay. But, <laughs> but he, he hands over the song then to the, to the guitarist who then slides up and takes the baton with this. If ever there was a guitar solo that sounds like it belongs in what's the name of that guitar g- video game? You know what I'm oh, talking about? Um, yes. I guitar player, whatever this. it is. Guitar right? hero. Guitar. If ever there was a guitar solo, it sounds like it was created for that game. That guitar solo. Right, you're right hits, about that, actually. It yes. Hits every, yes. the runs, the tricks. And in fact, I, I'm going to keep going because I'm going to indulge myself at the end of the episode on the song that has a lot of memories for me. <laughs> I've always thought ice skating is the bizarrest sport in the world because for some reason they decided to wed music to it. It's like they take all these arbitrary, incredibly difficult tricks and say, yeah, but you got to do it to music. In no other sport do they say you got to hit a baseball to music. You see right. what I'm saying? Yes. You got to play basketball to music. You got to go bobsledding to music. You got to skeet shooting to music. No. Well, it's Just a very sp- pretty sport, so it makes but sense. But so what? <laughs> what I'm saying, it's so weird. But when I listen to this song, I have to say, I can completely visualize some ice skater performing a complete routine to it because the way in which the musicians perform this song, it sounds like an ice skater so confidently hitting every triple axle. Do you know what I'm saying? Martha? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, they're hitting every Lutz combo every, and they're just hitting it with so much authority, so much. I mean, Sebastian Bach at that time of his life, 
is at the absolute prime. His voice is in its absolute, the peak of his instrument, right? right. And the guitar player too is in his youth. And the way in which that they're so, they're showing off and hitting it so hard. It feels like almost an Olympic kind of performance. A, a song that could be done in sync with an Olympic performance. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, I and understand I what you're saying. I understand what I you're saying. I would encourage any of our listeners to go now to listen to that song and imagine an ice skater hitting it with like the guitar solo and the silences of the song and the over-the-topness of it all. I mean, I remember you. You can't, there's no hiding the ball in that lyric. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And the reason I think he even says it's like it, it was the it was the prom song for one year. And the, all the rest of the lyrics are completely superfluous. All you need is those three words. I remember you. And any listener in the world is going to fill it in on their own because yes. you can fill it in with your own experience. That's very I true. I remember you. It's very, very And true. that's what he's, he's done for me. And so the final reason I picked this book, Martha, to land it all is I saw a picture of Sebastian Bach now. And I, lately, Martha, I tell you, I'm having a midlife crisis. I'm really freaking Aww. out because I'm really seeing, I remember, okay, I remember Sebastian Bach, even though I'd never liked Skid Row or them, I still, who I think of is the Sebastian Bach from that time. Yes. In that era, on the cover of that book. I just saw Jerry Maguire the other night. And I think that's Renee Zellweger forever to me, that one. And I see pictures and we're all getting old, man. And it's really, it makes me want to cry, just like Sebastian Bach cries all the time. <laughs> I'm seeing all these people get old and it makes me, they're gone. Those people are gone and and they don't even know they're in their prime in those moments, but those moments Oh my captured. God, you're going to make me cry again. Martha, and, and so it really was, what's really incredible to me is we <laughs> have those captured moments of these people's youth and their prime and it's forever. And you can, and just like Sebastian Bach says in that opening quote, only music can take you back in, in that moment. And you're still that age in that moment. And oh so my are God, those people. I'm seriously going to cry right now. You're so are those people. And so to me, I don't feel embarrassed that, that this, this one of the singular most important moments of my life happened in conjunction with this song that literally says, I remember you. And it means so much more than just that. It's I remember everybody, Martha. I remember Sebastian Bach. I remember all these people when they were this way. And all of those memories are fading and dying. And it makes me want to cry. I'm actually crying right now. <laughs> oh my God. Because it's so true. Like it makes me want to cry. And, and you I know just... what's and you know what's so sad? Okay, like, okay, I'm I'm crying again. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm crying again. But you know, I, I think about that. Oh my god, I'm crying again. Oh <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I, that just really hit me because it's so true. Like, oh, hold on. I need a moment. It's sad, man. It breaks no, my heart. On, yeah, I just on, like, everything on. makes me cry. <laughs> I'm listening to Sebastian Bach just cranking my skid row, oh. feeling just nothing but affection for this. With this but anyway, I'm sorry. That just really hit me. Everything you were saying because I've been feeling all of that too. Like it's just that's how I've been feeling. I looked at a picture of him now, and I I, I don't want him. I don't want that to be him. 
For, right. Uh, for my sake. For, for your sake. For, for my your sake. sake. For your sake. Okay. Uh, I and it's it's been it's been difficult lately, and yeah. Yes. So yeah. All right. So <laughs> okay. Well, Sebastian Bach brought me to tears. <laughs> Sebastian Bach, I remember you, man, and you know, <laughs> I. <laughs> it's so funny in the moment. Of course, I did could not have conceived, no pun intended, conceived of what the lyrics were telling me. The lyrics were literally foreshadowing. I mean, <laughs> that's how how dumb you are as a kid. You can't. Yeah. See the forest for the trees. The song is literally announcing this is what's happening in this moment right now. Yeah. You will remember this moment later. Do you understand that? And I'm like, no, yes. no I don't get that at all. And you and, don't, you don't savor yeah, those no. moments. Well, because, I savored that one. Try well, savor, of course. Trust me, but. Well, everyone savors certain moments, certainly right. of your youth. But but what I'm saying is when you're that, and, you know, I was writing something the other day where I talked about how youth is truly wasted on the young. Oh, yeah, for sure. Beca- because when you're young, you're a teenager in your 20s, you don't realize that those moments that you're living even the people that you're meeting at that time, you may never meet people like that again. You will never replicate certain experiences in your life ever again. And while you might be taking them all in at that moment, and while you may be savoring them, some of them anyway, as they're occurring and as you're trying to, um, it, it just, that's a part of your life that just will never be again. And if anyone is listening to us who's in their 20s <laughs> or in their late teens, mm-hmm. savor every one of those moments because this is truly going to be the only time in your life that you get to experience things for the first time in such a real and such an intense way that you simply will not be able to ever again. I mean, no. there is something about that that time in your life that you will always remember and there will be people from that time in your life that you will always remember till your dying day. I mean, that is just the way that it is. And it's not something that continues to replicate itself later on in your life, unfortunately. It just doesn't. And and it's just such, it's such a thing about, you know, and I think that that's part, I was thinking about this, Christian, a few days ago. I think that this is part of the reason that I've always kept diaries and journals because it's a way for me to remember details about people because I didn't want to forget it because it was so meaningful to me. And so I think that that's, I was thinking about this. I think that's the reason that I've, I've written so many diaries and that I have so many of them because it's a way to hold on to time um, and hold on to people and hold on to things that disappear and they're no longer there but then I always have that that constant if I ever want to go back to it I have it to remember them by um but yes wow the song really kind of brought it (laughs) oh my god oh my goodness yeah so you know to finish it all like the total human experience I was I'd never been more in love ever I got everything I wanted with this perfect girl who had the same exact musical taste I did you know we talk about that and I did what people do. I just, I then started taking her for granted and wanting something different and oh. just became a human. And then it wobbled along for a while. And then she met an older guy and dumped me for him. 
And then I just like treated her as if she had like offended, like I gave her the silent treatment. Like you are, you have behaved inappropriately and without on all she did. She was break up with me. People do it all the time. But I acted like even then, like a you have, you know, I don't talk to you now. You have, you know, silent yeah. treatment, whatever. Like a total child. Anyway, Aww. like she'd done something wrong. But, right. you know, anyway, if, you know, uh, <sighs> I, I would, of course, I'm not going to share her name, but. No, uh, no, no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't do, do that. that. Don't do that. I would like her to know. Aww, As Christian. Sebastian Bach says. <laughs> Aww. Actually, actually, he didn't write even the lyrics. He just sang the song. <laughs> That's the funny part. That's the funny part. Oh my oh, goodness! Oh, poor Sebastian. Aww. Well, Stephanie, I can say that part. I remember you. Oh, that's very I sweet. Hope you're, I hope I, you're. I, she's doing well and still married. That's the. That's very incredible sweet. part. That's incredible. That's amazing. In this day and age, good for her. Good for her. Aww. Well, once again, Martha and I have just, we take you all the way to the top and all the way to the bottom. God. That, that's what, what music does, on? man. That's yeah, what music that's does. That's what music does. That's what rock and roll does, just like Sebastian yes. says. It's the power yes. of music if you will let it into your life. And Martha yeah. and I live and die by that power. Yes, we do. We feed on it every day. <laughs> every we drink day. from it. And we Hours. nurture it. Hours. Yep, I bathe in it. I... Yeah, there isn't a moment I don't have it just somewhere pulsating around. Me too. I don't I don't know what a day without music is. I just mm. don't know. I have I don't know what that is. I don't want to know what that is. I don't want to know what that is. I can't live without music. Yeah. Well, that concludes, I, I believe, Martha, our yes. second season. It we're does. Yes, we're very season excited for the two. third season. We have yes, exciting, very, very excited. Exciting change to our show. It's going three dimensional. We'll surprise you with what that is when it happens. Yes. We've already got the, I think, the uh, sketched out trajectory and episodes lined up. We're we do. really excited. We're very and, excited yeah, about it. We're, we're, we're reading page by page. The journey never ends. And we're going to read every comma, every semicolon, every word until we've digested all of it. <laughs> Thank you so much to everyone who continues to listen to us. There are now 59 countries listening to us, and we really appreciate wow. it. 59. Yes. Thank you so much to all of you for listening to us. We really, really do appreciate it. Indeed. Indeed. This show was lovingly engineered, as always, by Martha's very talented husband um, and his Deep Signal Studios. Um, so if you enjoy what you've been listening to, it has nothing to do with us. It's all him. So on that, we'll see you on the other side. Season three. I'm very excited. And um, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>